My name is Dr. Joanna Pagonis, and welcome to Tackle Tuesday. Tackle Tuesday is a podcast series that tackles different issues in the workplace. We explore topics such as leading with emotion, diversity and inclusion, and how to create resilient and agile work cultures. Today's episode is sponsored by Synogap Solutions. We work closely with emerging leaders to help you develop a clear vision of your authentic self and to discover your passion and how it aligns with your purpose. Once you have a clear understanding of your purpose and vision for your future, you'll be able to discover your path for continuous growth along with the energy and enthusiasm necessary to sustain you during the most challenging moments in your life. We encourage you to visit our website at SinogapSolutions.com and explore the courses we offer that will help you develop the mindset and capabilities to be an inspirational leader. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tackle Tuesday. I'm your host, Joanna Pagonis, and this is season three, and our theme is called Creating Brave Spaces. So before I get into it, because it's been a while since we've connected, I just want to say welcome back and let you know of a few new things that are happening. So before I get into what season three is going to focus on, I wanted to let you know that we're going to be also introducing a new podcast format. So if you've listened to the show before, you'll be familiar with the interview style podcast uh, format that I've facilitated in the past. So primarily I would invite a guest. We would talk about a specific con concept, right? Or topic related to organizational health and effectiveness. And sometimes I would even just kind of take charge of the mic and kind of share my thoughts on something. But for this season, we're actually going to be co-hosting. I have a new host or co-host. Her name is Katie Allen. We both work together at Gap Solutions. And I'm thrilled that she accepted the invitation to co-host this season with me. And so without further ado, I wanted to just, first of all, welcome Katie and, and give you a chance to introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Joanna. I'm really excited to be co-hosting this season of Tackle Tuesday. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm an instructional designer with Synogap Solutions, uh, and we've had the pleasure to work together for about a year now. Um, and so I'll first just share a little bit about my background so folks know uh, where I'm coming from. So in addition to working with Synogap Solutions, I'm also a master's student at the University of Alberta uh, through the uh, Educational Policy Studies Department. And so I'm currently working on my master's thesis. I'm uh, excited to be writing. I'm analyzing data at the moment. Things are moving along. And my topic is mentorship. So specifically, I'm looking at mentorship as experienced by new faculty members. Uh, so within the world of academia. Lots of takeaways that apply to workplaces beyond academia uh, and plenty of stuff I can share likely later on uh, in this season. Uh, so a little bit more about me uh, in addition to this research uh, that I'm doing for my thesis, a few other projects I'm doing with some professors at the university. Uh, I've also spent about a decade managing student services. So what I'm doing now is a departure from uh, the world where I was managing folks um, in student services at the U of A and also McGill University. Uh, so basically my world was everything co-curricular. Uh, so think outside of the classroom, 
uh, my teams developed programs, facilitated workshops, uh, ran initiatives and services to support students uh, succeed, again, outside of the classroom. So mental health, experiential, uh, all that sort of thing. So I'm happy to be here. Lots of experience to draw from. And uh, I'll share a little bit later on my role in developing some of our new content, which ties to today's episode. So I'll throw it back to you, Joanna. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Katie. I'm glad you mentioned the student services because we've had some conversations about the challenges that students have had over the pandemic and you got to see firsthand. And so I think our topic of creating brief spaces is one that you have a lot of experience on, at least when it comes from the academic side, but just like in the corporate world, there are a lot of parallels. So I'm really thrilled that you're here. And just a little tidbit of information, the way I met Katie was when I was looking for somebody to help me with the research projects that we had, I reached out to my PhD supervisor and she recommended Katie. We have the same supervisor. And so we were both in the same department uh, and in the same program. So uh, there's, we have a lot of similar experiences and I think it's one of the reasons why we work well together. And I don't know if you saw it, Katie, but today the newsletter that I sent out was formally introducing you to everyone. Did you read it? I did see it. It feels very official. <laughs> have that come out and the podcast. Big day, big day. I, it's a big day today. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so let's kind of get into what the format will be. So we talked a little bit that's going to be co-hosting Katie and I, and we're going to explore a topic related to the theme of creating brave spaces in each episode. And an episode will drop every month. And the plan is we're going to have eight episodes in total, bringing us basically to the end of the fiscal year. And the way that we're going to approach and tackle each episode, and we're hoping that we can do it in a really short period of time, like 30 minutes, right? So you can listen, you can get what you need, and you can apply it, right? You can go forward in any way that you need to go forward with that, that information. And so we'll always introduce what the topic is and how it relates to creating a brave space. We'll also be ensuring that we're giving you time, the gift of time, to reflect on what this means and how you can apply it in your workplace context. So I always say that there's two primary ways that human beings learn. We learn through reflection, right? Thinking about what the new information that that's coming at us and how it applies to the things that we know and the things that we're doing. And we also learn with and through others. And so there'll always be a key takeaway at the end in terms of how you can apply this because applying it in your workplace and sharing it with other people, I think is really what's going to make it more concrete for you and not just an abstract concept that we're talking about. And of course, throughout the episode, we'll be backing up what we're saying with actual hard data. Um, what does the research say about this topic or concept? And then Katie and I will also try to make it less abstract by sharing a personal story in relation to this. Because I think when you talk about creating a brave space, there are a lot of great stories that can support these concepts, right? So they, it makes them less theoretical. And although we're co-hosting and primarily every episode will be mostly Katie and I, we're, there will be opportunities for us to invite a guest. So stay tuned. We'll be sharing more information uh, when we do invite a guest. All right. So cut, let's get into it. I will ask the first question. So what does, and I'll ask, you know, Katie, if you can take the lead, um, what does this season really entail? So I talked a little bit about what the format is, but can you kind of give us a highlight of, you know, why we're doing creating brave spaces and what can people expect from now until the end of April? Or yes. end of March, I should say. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So yeah, I'm excited to share a bit about what we've been busy working on, which is developing an online course titled Creating Brave Spaces. Uh, so the vision of this course is to revolutionize the workplace by creating brave leaders 
who show up authentically, encourage comfort in discomfort, foster psychological safety, and enable others to respond to challenges and conflict with compassion and curiosity. Uh, the mission of our program is to unlock the full potential of every individual by equipping them with the skills to be brave leaders who embrace diverse perspectives when leading through conflict and having difficult conversations. So lots of nuggets in there. I know it was exciting thinking back to when we brainstormed about this program and what we wanted to include in it. Um, but essentially, this season of Tackle Tuesday, as you've mentioned, uh, is going to have uh, episodes that touch on themes covered more extensively in the online course. Uh, so the episodes uh, designed to be accessible way to engage with the course content. We really wanted to break it down into some bite-sized chunks and share it with these listeners uh, and hopefully excite you to learn some more. We'll be able to connect you with resources or again, this course would uh, certainly walk you through these concepts in, in a bit more uh, detail. So this episode right. in particular will serve as an introduction to the season and really the topic of creating brave spaces. So uh, we're going to unpack that together. Joanna. Right. And I think I forgot to mention that one of the reasons why we wanted to focus on this theme is because we're actually developing an online course. And so this podcast will highlight some of those concepts in the online course through the podcast. And one of the reasons why we wanted to do the podcast is because we felt like the information is too important, critical to kind of not share. You know, if our mission is to, for Cinema Gap Solutions, the mission is to maximize the human potential across our workforce and equip leaders with the skills to be able to do that. And creating a brave space is a one way to do that. And so instead of just offering it through the online course, what are some nuggets that we can share with you to make this content or information accessible and applicable? And I think another reason why we did the online course and I want to do the podcast is because I had a lot of clients reaching out to me and asking me, do you have anything self-paced online course or workshops that focus on how to facilitate difficult conversations, uh, how to work through conflict, how to um, create psychological safety? And I realized that all of these topics, they're not independent of one another. And what I've seen provided or offered by other companies is like, these standalone concepts. And the truth is, as a leader, we don't walk into the workplace with different hats. You know, like when we're dealing with a difficult conversation, we put on a difficult conversation hat. When somebody is presenting other issues, we put on that hat, you know, to, to that corresponds with that issue. Like we deal with all of these issues at the same time simultaneously. And we have to then be able to train our leaders the same way. We have to integrate these concepts. So we teach in a more conceptual based way than just a topic based way. And so Katie and I realized there was an opportunity, opportunity to take these issues and actually put them together in one course for people to be able to then go through that course and understand how they all fit together. And we made it an online self-paced course because it's just accessible to all. And so what we're going to try to do is through these eight episodes is to do the same thing. Although each episode is focus, focusing on a different concept or a topic, we, we're hoping to integrate them. Uh, so it's a bit more applicable and impactful for our listeners. So why don't we get into the first reflection question? Because like we've been talking a lot about what this episode entails, but people are probably wanting like, you know, the content now. And so let's actually talk about what a brave space is. And so I'm just going to ask a few reflection questions. And what we encourage you to do is ask, as I ask the questions, pause actually pause the podcast episode, 
think it through, answer them for yourself, and then hit play, because then we're going to share with you the way we would define or answer those questions. So I'll ask, I'll ask the first question. So we have two reflection questions. So we'll do the first one and we'll explore and expand on the first one, and then we'll go into the second one. So the first question really is, what is a brave space? What does a brave space look like in your workplace? So that's the first question. So just take a second, hit pause. And when you're ready to join back, hit play. So I assume now you've done that and you're back. <laughs> the second question to this, this first part reflection question section, if you will, uh, is now that you've thought through what a brave space and what it may look like in your workplace, is it the same thing as a safe space? Why or why not? So once again, we encourage you to hit pause and think through that. All right. Now, hopefully you're back with us and we'll explore what a brave space is and how it's different from a safe space. And I'm going to hand it to Katie because Katie read a really great article. So we, we, we obviously expand on what these concepts are in the online course. And so we've given a lot of thought. Katie and I have had a lot of discussions. We've done a lot of research. But recently she came across an article that kind of encapsulated everything we talked about. And I thought it was really cool because the article discovered the same things that we have discovered through our own experiences. And so I thought I could hand it off to you so you could share some of the key takeaways that you got from that article. It's like, what if you can just share what the article was, who wrote it, and then what were the key takeaways? Yes, I'm happy to do so. It was a great article, really distilled down to a lot of, like you said, some of the reflections or topics, discussions you and I were having. Uh, so the Authors uh, Brian Oreo and Christy Clemens uh, in their article from Safe Spaces to Brave Spaces talk about their experience as student affairs professionals who lead diversity and social justice training for university students. So I think this also spoke to me from my previous experience working in that world uh, and actually relating to a lot of what they talked about in that same context. So uh, the authors aim to touch on controversial issues with honesty, sensitivity, and respect, and they often describe those learning environments as safe spaces. And they do that with the hope of reassuring participants, university students, who may feel anxious about discussing certain topics like uh, oppression, privilege, racism, things like that. So the authors found that in these workshops that they would facilitate, when conversations became intense or charged, students actually no longer felt safe. And they were receiving quite a bit of feedback after these workshops that it actually wasn't a good learning experience. It wasn't meeting their outcomes. Students didn't feel safe. So they reflected that safety is often conflated with comfort, and they felt that that framing of their spaces and their workshops was actually hindering uh, the outcomes, the intentions of, of their, their work, which was to challenge students in the way they hope to see change and awareness um, around these topics. So I'll go a little bit more into, because I thought it, it really illustrated some of what I'm talking about here, but they talked about the activities they used, some of the specific experiences from participants, and then how they've reshifted um, what they what they do in their workshops now. So they've done an activity that maybe some of some of us have participated in before called a one step forward, one step back activity. And this is where participants line up, facilitators read a series of statements related to social identity, privilege, etc. And then participants determine if these are reflective of their own experience and would sort of step in or step back. I've done so part, it. You've done it. I have as well. Yeah. So after I, I go through I, this, I'm curious to hear yeah, yeah. How, how your experience I'll might share. compare. Yeah. So participants who frame the activity primarily through dominant group identity stated that they felt blamed, at times negatively judged for ending the exercise, for example, in the front of the room, uh, affirming some of those statements applying to them. 
Many express feelings of guilt uh, about their position in this exercise, um, as well as a helplessness of hearing some of the reactions from those around them at different spaces in the room, given their um, level of privilege or oppression. So some of the reactions were like, I can't help being white. The problems aren't my fault and feeling, again, that helplessness with it. On the other hand, uh, folks with identities that brought them to the back of the room stated that their physical position at the conclusion of the exercise was a painful reminder of the oppression and marginalization that they experienced day to day. Um, so interestingly, they note uh, a critique shared by many participants across different groups and identities was that the activity was in direct violation of the safe space guidelines that were set at the beginning of the workshop and that the safe space was no more. So these profound feelings of discomfort um, really were at odds with what these facilitators set out to do as a foundation to having these discussions. So um, before I go into some of their takeaways and how they've done things differently since then, I'm curious, Joanna, you said you've done this activity before. What's your experience been like? Yeah, I was actually, somebody had told me about the activity before we did it. So I was anticipating it and I was actually excited to do it. I think primarily because it would give me an opportunity to learn more about my, my colleagues and some of the things that they experienced. And then I could, if they're participating in the activity, I would assume it's because they're okay sharing their experiences. And so I thought afterwards I could talk to them and ask them, would you be comfortable sharing some of that with me? Um, and that's primarily because I was their, their supervisor and I, I wanted to just build trust with them. Um, and then be willing obviously to do the same and share things with them and let them know that they could ask me questions. So I know I've experienced some challenges in my life, but I know I've also experienced a lot of privilege too. And I have to be comfortable to share both um, and, and not feel guilt. And if I feel guilt about it, then you know what, then I don't know, creates an opportunity to, to talk about it. So I feel differently about that. And maybe it's because of the work that I do. I'm more open to, to these experiences than maybe other people are. But I know that when it comes to any kind of training around uncovering your bias, a lot of people, and even the research I read, people actually walk away with, not with enlightenment or a sense of openness, but they walk away feeling frustrated and sometimes their biases are even more entrenched. I've seen it firsthand and I've also read that the research reinforces that. So I know though it was a good experience for me, obviously with these authors experienced and wrote about, uh, that, that it can happen. It does. Absolutely. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing. Yeah. I'm thinking back, I've done this exercise a few times as a participant and, um, it's interesting. It can be an activity that does allow you potentially to connect with folks that you might be working with if it's done in that environment to learn things you wouldn't other otherwise recognize uh, in a lot of cases. Um, so I think some level of guilt or discomfort I've experienced recognizing my own levels of, of, of privilege. Um, but I think that's helped me better connect. It's a really vulnerable activity. I mean, you really are putting yourself out there physically stepping into these really, uh, intense sort of statements, but I've seen other people shut down completely. And so I can absolutely see what the authors are commenting on. I think my own discomfort, ickiness with that did propel me to have, other opportunities to connect and sort of understand myself better and also kind of have some conversations around it with folks. But other folks I've seen, like I said, shut down completely and then they're not being receptive to any of the potential learnings in the activity, right. which is they, what they talk about. I like what you said that safe space is being conflated with comfort. 
And, and I guess, you know, maybe that's right and, and that's okay, but then we have to define it a bit better. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that I discovered too, being triggered and feeling certain kind of way and knowing what those emotional physio, sorry, those physiological feelings are that are accompanied by a certain emotion or thinking process, which is, you know, inherently uncomfortable. I've learned to identify that as a trigger for myself and then to want to be curious to explore it further because that trigger or these physiological feelings I'm having, having can actually create a barrier to me being able to develop relationships with other people. So over time, I've learned to do that and learned the value of doing that. Whereas other people maybe are not aware or have the self-awareness that, oh, that's what's happening. That's why I'm feeling discomfort. I shouldn't associate that discomfort with feelings of shame and guilt or being defensive. Maybe I should use those feelings of discomfort as a as a an awareness indicator, right? And so I think it's about having those kind of conversations before you put people into a situation that will in, require a certain amount of braveness, I guess. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to hear, because you said, I think the second part to this article was like, what did what they learned, what you shared, but then what did they do with what they learned, right? What Do you have that information? I do. So like I said, the authors of the article talked about realizing that the outcomes of the workshops were not being met and students weren't feeling safe. So they talked about how initially they thought, oh, like, did we choose the wrong activity? Were our facilitators not adequately trained? Like, what was the flaw of the workshop? And so that's where their heads first went. Ultimately, though, they did have a more um, deeply reflective discussion around that concept of safety. And so they even pulled in in their article uh, some of what the literature says that many scholars argue safety is necessary for discussions of this nature to occur. But the authors are really clear and they argue that after their experiences, they feel strongly that authentic learning about social justice in their case often requires the very qualities of risk, difficulty, and controversy uh, that are defined as incompatible with safety. So this propelled the authors to shift away from creating safe spaces. And again, they go into detail about what they would actually do at the beginning of workshops to say, okay, this is a safe space. That means X, Y, Z. Instead, they're having discussions around brave spaces. And uh, that encourages students to rise to the challenge of genuine dialogue on these topics that can be kind of tricky. So just to, to wrap up, they found that the simple act of using the term brave space at the outset of the program or workshop or class had a really positive impact in and of itself. Uh, it transformed the conversation uh, and can really not only set the tone, but can really kick things off. So um, they actually talked about opening it up and asking participants, much like we just asked you listeners to do, is to think about brave space versus safe space. And they asked participants to think, why do you think in this workshop, for example, are we using brave space instead of safe space? And they really encourage folks to have a critical lens and a critical examination of those concepts. Uh, and again, it really set a good foundation for them to dive into um, how to have those conversations. So I think that's really interesting. I know we embedded a lot of that in the online learning space that we created. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I can just share like even how I defined it at the keynote I gave two weeks ago. So, uh, Katie and I were invited, um, and I gave a keynote, uh, for the Association of Professional Engineers and Geoscience, 
geoscientists of Alberta about two weeks ago. And we were there to talk about how to live well and lead well. And I talked about this concept of a brave space versus a safe space. And, and what I basically said was most of us function, although we like to use the term safe space, let's make it a safe space. The truth is we mostly function in brave spaces, not safe spaces. Safe spaces is when there's a hundred percent trust. You can open your mouth and say anything. And the concern that you will be judged negatively for it and lose credibility for it is minimal to non-existent. And I like to say that all of us have couple relationships or places where we work, live and play that are safe. Like hopefully the relationship you have with your partner is one of those spaces. I, I actually said in the, in the conference that Katie and I are working towards that safe space. And I made a joke, like hopefully I haven't, maybe I've said something really stupid, Katie, and, and you never judged me for it. I'm not aware of it, but I'm sure that day will come when I'll say something absolutely ridiculous. And hopefully I don't lose credibility in your eyes for it, but we're still working up to that, I guess. But most of us do work in a brave space where we feel like, you know, okay, if I say something, I may be judged. If I say something, I may lose credibility. But we choose to say it because we have to stand up and step up to say it because it's needed to be said. It it's maybe we're advocating for ourselves. Maybe we're advocating for other people. And we've all had this opportunity. And you know what I mean? When you're in a meeting and you want to speak up, you know, you feel like you have to, it, it, it is, there's a physiological reaction associated to it. And you know what your physiological reaction is, but mine is like, I feel something in my gut, my hands and palms get sweaty and I almost start to vibrate. My heart rate goes up and I feel like I just need to say something because it's wrong and I need to clarify. I need to, um, I need to advocate for something that isn't being advocated for in the meeting. And I know if I don't say anything, I'll regret it. But there's a lot of fear in opening up and saying it because it may not actually fit the mood of the room. Maybe no one said it. And I feel like I'll be the only one who has this opinion. And so it's not easy to step up and say something because I don't know how it'll be interpreted. And I don't know how people will perceive me afterwards. But one of the things that I learned is when I do step up and say it, guess what? There's usually somebody else in the room who wanted to say it too, but didn't. And what happens when we do step up and say it and people see that? I'd like to think that we become a role model and we start to demonstrate behaviors that we should be doing, right? And if we can role model those behaviors, hopefully other people will start to do it too. And the more of us that do that, and the more we realize we're not being judged negatively for it, but we can work through these issues and still maintain trust and, and even strengthen relationships, we can eventually start to get to a safe space. And when we're at a safe space, when we can get there, I feel like that's when we can become very powerful, efficient, and effective as a team. And now somebody had asked me at the conference, are safe spaces better than brave spaces? Um, and Kate, what would you say to that? I mean, like we just talked about in debriefing that article and kind of how we've introduced the concept, it both are so important. And I know one of the concepts that we cover quite a bit more in the online course is the idea of psychological safety. So for me, I think a kind of basic level of, of, of safety, often with that is trust, especially if it is a group you're in that you do interact with regularly, is, is, is kind of necessary. Um, so a certain level of safety to then be able to feel really confident and comfortable to be brave. So I think both are important. I think the article that we just talked about sort of challenges us to just reimagine 
the necessity of that safety. But I would still argue that a, a basic level of psychological safety and trust um, can be often facilitated in spaces that we, we frequent often. Uh, and then I think the bravery and the courage that can come from that is going to be hopefully a little more authentic, hopefully a bit more encouraged. Um, so that was kind of a, a way of saying both are important. Yeah. I agree. And I think I even the analogy I gave was like, you know, when you teach um, a physical skill, like a cartwheel, there's usually levels of progression that get you there. And I would see the brave space as a level of progression to get you to the safe space. So there's elements of brave spaces and safe spaces. And I think you, you can't necessarily have one without the other. Both are critical, but it's how you define it. And sometimes just putting it out there and, and expressing that articulating that, like the, the authors of the article said, can go a long way in, in helping establish a space where people are like, okay, now I know what the expectations of, are of me. So as we, I see that we're getting closer to the end of our time, I did want to ask the second reflection question and then go into the key takeaways for our listeners. And I think the second reflection question is important because it helps tie everything together. And so we first asked you to think about, you know, what is a brave space and how does it differ from a safe space? And I think we've talked a lot about that. The second question we really want you to think about, and this is specific to your workplace context, is we want you to think about a time when you found yourself in a brave space based on how we've defined it. And I want you to think about what did it feel like? What was happening? What were others doing or not doing to make it brave? So take a moment, hit pause and, and think about that. And when you're ready, come back. Okay, so hopefully you've, you're joining us again and you've thought that through. And I wish you were here and we could ask you what you came up with. Um, but maybe we can just share a quick short example of that. Katie, would you like to share the example? Or do you want me to give me, I can give mine. Yeah, I'll give mine. So I think, and I'll make it as brief as possible. Um, one of the things that I'm discovering with some of my family and my friends is that when we talk about social, cultural issues that revolve around the concept of equity, diversity, and inclusion, that some of my friends and family don't have the same views that I do. And some of their views are racist. <laughs> they say things where I'm like, really, I find shocking. And I think I'm even more shocked because I don't even think they realize that what they said was racist. And I think don't know how to approach those conversations initially because first of all, I'm not even expecting it. And when it happens, I don't know what to necessarily do. So when we talked about getting triggered and what that feels like. So my triggering, when I get triggered, I get defensive. I want to speak up. I want to, I want to stand up. I want to take over the conversation and speak really loudly and dominate. And, and, you know, they say that when you're not feeling safe, you either act in silence or violence. And I guess when I'm not feeling safe, I act in violence. I don't, I don't get physical or hurt anybody, but I can get quite aggressive with my stance. Right. And, and then I'm not creating a brave space. If I'm doing that, I'm actually, I think, destroying that space and, and potential trust. And so one of the things that I've learned to make it a brave space for myself is to be more in tune with my emotional reaction or physiological reaction to the things that are being said and recognize that my body is responding to being like in fight mode, right? Fight or flight. So I'm in a fight mode. And when I'm in a fight mode, I can't necessarily think clearly because my mind and my thoughts are racing, which means my mouth is going to start racing, right? All, all kinds of stuff is going to come out of my mouth. And so I recognize that I'm in fight mode. I pay attention to that. 
I engage in some breathing to calm down and I just try to listen, ask questions to understand so we can lower everyone's system of defense, right? Make people less defensive and then we can be more open to hearing one another. So although it may not be 100% of a safe space, because I think if I challenge what they're saying and actually even say things like, you need to know what you just said was really racist, like that's going to create another emotional reaction in them and trigger them potentially, right? So to get to that space where we can talk about those things, I just need to be more mindful of how I'm feeling. And, and also realize that if at that time I'm not really prepared to have that conversation, that it's okay to say, you know what, some of the things that you've just said are actually triggering to me. I would love to explore this a little bit more because I have a very different opinion than yours, but I don't feel like I'm really in a place that I can talk about it without actually getting a little bit angry. And I don't want to have, I don't want to have that kind of a conversation. So I just need a a moment to kind of, you know, um, reflect on some of the things that you said. And I'd love to revisit this another time. And that's okay too. It's okay to say that because I also have to realize like, what's the outcome that I'm seeking? What is the outcome? Is it to get them to think like me and to admit I'm a racist? Like, is that really what my outcome is? Or is my outcome to help educate them on a, with a different perspective or information that may get them to shift their thinking? And if that's my outcome, then I need to be very mindful how I approach that conversation. And if I'm not ready to have that conversation then because I'm still in fight mode, then I have to rethink about how my approach and when I'm going to have that. And then I can revisit that conversation. So, I guess that's what a brave space looks like for me. And I take a lot of responsibility and accountability in creating that space. How does that sound? Yeah, thanks for sharing, Joanna. I think that really, first of all, is relatable. I think many of us can can connect to a similar example. Um, and to me, that speaks to the urgency for us to talk about brave spaces that is really the core of what led us to build this program and to do this podcast series. I mean, some of the global challenges that we are, are collectively facing, I think now more than ever, we might argue, uh, is a time to have these sorts of brave conversations um, coming out of the pandemic, social, political issues and tensions. I mean, if we can't connect and hear and, and find ways to, to speak about things or to voice concerns or feelings to others, I mean, that puts us in a tough spot. So I think that's a great uh, example to really illustrate a, lo- a lot of what we've already talked about. So thank you. All right. So you know what? I think maybe a good place to end is what are the key takeaways or call to action that we can share with our listeners to help them put some of these concepts into practice? Perfect. So I will walk us through some takeaways. And before I do that, I'm just seeing uh, some notes I had here, really basic, just a quick reminder before I go into these takeaways on definitions of both brave and safe. So I actually went real basic and just Google dictionary just to bring me back down. Brave as an adjective is having or showing mental or moral strength to face danger, fear, or difficulty. Having or showing courage. So think of that with brave versus uh, safe free from harm or risk, secure from threat or danger, harm or loss. So I think those, again, very simplistic uh, definitions might get us in the, the mindset to take in these call to action takeaway steps that I'm going to provide. So we wanted to sort of wrap this conversation up with a few actionable items. The first one we're going to share is to think about establishing the rules of engagement when you're thinking about creating a brave space. So what does that mean to establish rules of engagement? Think about how you're going to engage, what values are going to be applied in in whatever space you're in. 
Maybe that's at the beginning of a meeting. Uh, I know that's something that Joanna and I do when we're facilitating a workshop. We're going to talk about how is this group during the next four hours going to work together. And rather than just a list of things, like we're going to respect each other, we're going to stay on time, really trying to get to the root, what is the value uh, of that? And Joanna, do you want to share just briefly what that has looked like in action when you've applied that activity? Yeah, I, like what are two values that you want to live by and role model? And then how would you put those values into action? So if you say uh, respect, well, what does actual respect look like when it's happening? What does it look like when it's not? And so how do you know you're being respected? And how do you know or when you're respecting somebody else? So I just challenge people to write it down uh, because it can make it more real that way. Gives a benchmark, right? In some ways to compare ourselves to. Definitely. No, thank you for that. So that's the first thing. So consider whatever spaces you're going into, establish the rules of engagement as a starting point. The second step is to look inward. So when we say look inward, we would encourage you to reflect. I mean, think of what Joanna shared earlier of what are you feeling? What is the physiological response? What is your body telling you? What thoughts are you experiencing? And with that, to have some vulnerability first with yourself. So being really open and kind of real. Um, again, if you're feeling triggered or heightened, take stock of that. Uh, and with that, we would encourage the right kind of mindset. So an open growth mindset to consider bringing in different perspectives. And that leads me to the third step. So after you've established your rules of engagement, you've looked inward, taken stock of where you're at, we want you to thirdly listen to truly understand. So that would require some empathy to feel with others, uh, a certain level of psychological safety. I talked about that earlier. So trying to make folks feel that they can share whatever and they're not going to be judged or, or ridiculed or, or punished for that, but really trying to establish that. Uh, and in truly understanding, that's going to require us to have space for diverse perspectives and actually want to hear them. And so we know there's a lot of research and a lot of data on the benefits to having diversity on your team, diverse opinions, perspectives, identities are going to ultimately lead you to a better outcome. So you would need to listen to those first to really be able to implement that. And with that, of course, comes a mindfulness of, of, of bias, your unconscious bias that you might have. Uh, and if we can do the look inward step and take stock of how we might be feeling or reacting, that can be a really good data for us about ourselves to figure out what, what those biases might be. And of course, our course goes uh, much more deeply into a lot of these concepts uh, if you're kind of curious to see what those might look like. And then lastly, the final step is uh, once you've had a chance to listen and with empathy really hear and feel what's going on around you is to step in. So that's where the brave piece comes in is to respond to a challenge, to embrace conflict, to say the thing that's on your mind, to voice something, uh, to take on the feedback, uh, to assert a boundary. We say step in as a, a bit of an invitation and also to be mindful about how to really appropriately step in in a space, be brave, but also still encourage and support and sort of role model that bravery and courage to those around you. So quick summary, establish rules of engagement, look inward, listen to truly understand, and then step in. Perfect. And I guess actually hearing you go through the four, I realized that's what I try to do when I'm having these difficult conversations. I'll be honest, like over the last uh, couple of weeks, um, that situation happened and um, I didn't do all the four steps. <laughs> and so just be mindful. 
like the more you can do that, the better able you will be to achieve a, a more positive outcome or achieve the outcome you, you really want to have or get. And maybe that's like step pre-step 1A um, in some ways, like what's the outcome you're trying to achieve? Um, but just be mindful and give, show yourself some graciousness. It, it takes time, effort, practice, and you really don't, we don't always get it right. And that's okay. It's what we're, we're, we're not, what's the, what, what do they say? It's not about being perfect. It's about progress, right? Progress over perfection. And you know, just would like to leave you with that thought as you try to apply some of these concepts. So that brings us to the end of our first episode of season three. Yay, we did it. Yay. Uh, lots of lots of planning to get us here. Um, we're finally here and finally recorded the first episode. We really hope that uh, you found this very valuable. As you know, like, you know, there'll be more information in the show notes. There'll be links to our website, links to, to the course. It's not actually ready yet where it's in pre-launch mode. And so if you're interested and you want to learn more, there'll be a link there that you can um, uh, they'll bring you to a form. You can fill it out if you're interested to learn more about the course. And just for even being curious and putting your name on that form, you'll get a code to get a 20% discount on the course too. So there's that as well. And as always, like you can follow us on social media on LinkedIn through my handle at Joanna Pagonis, or we have our company page, Instagram to Sinogap Solutions. We'd love to hear your feedback and your comments. You can always reach out to us or contact us directly all those links will be provided in the show notes. So thank you, Katie. What was this like? This was Did fun. Did you enjoy it? It felt okay. like we were having a, a regular conversation. It was a lot of fun. Good. So you'll be back for episode two. Then. I think I need to be back. But no, excited to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Excited to. Awesome. Uh, well, I mean, it's a... Kate and I want to just thank you for joining us and listening and, and feel free to share this episode with anybody you think would find the information valuable. Uh, we'll see you next month. We'll be dropping one episode a month and next month's episode is going to talk about and focus on self-awareness. So the importance of self-awareness when it comes to creating a brave space. And we already touched upon that a bit, but we're going to go more into it. So we do hope that you'll join us again next month. And we look forward to tackling the next issue with you. Thank you.